Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics podcast for the Savage Critics website. In our second and final installment for episode 13, Graham McMillan and I tackle more questions from readers, including our favorite new artists, the webcomic menage a trois, the new trend for families and franchises, the Hulk and the new brainy guy stereotype, Punisher Happy Ending, uh, one of the more unorthodox ways to consider the strengths of various writers, Graham tries to collapse the internet, and I talk about recent comics I've purchased. We hope you enjoy it, and thanks for listening. Jeffrey Lester, internet at large. <laughs> I was waiting. I'm like, Skype hasn't cut out yet, but he's not exactly. saying it. It's going to. <laughs> so, before we go any further, I have to um, say this because I will forget otherwise. Um, my lovely wife suggested that next year's WonderCon... Yes. You and I should do Wait What Live as a panel. Oh, Jesus. Well, that may have been the part of the reason why I was asking if you were going to New York Comic Con. I'm like, let's try and get this set up. Um, wouldn't that be really hilarious? The thing is, 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 I, of course, love the idea, but I know that you tend to get mortified speaking in front of large groups of people. So. <laughs> Which could make it all the more amusing. Actually, the thing that would that would be funny would be like I should set it up so that I can go to New York Comic Con and then Skype you on the panel, and then you could come in and I could put it on the speakers for everyone that to hear. That would be so great because I wouldn't know. I'd just keep talking. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm just telling everyone that we are trying to answer them now. Okay, I'm still not finished with the questions that um, people have asked. Cause I Adam, know. Adam sent questions as well. Oh, really? Yeah, Adam said. Adam P. Nave. Adam said, Nave, yeah, exactly. I would like to know who you both think is the best New artist out there for sheer storytelling ability. I'd like to know a definition of new. Yeah, that's my problem, is is that, you know, one of the first I, names I thought of, you should go. Uh, well, who's your first name? My one of my first names was uh, David Aja, A J A. You know who did Iron Fist like some years ago now. Yeah, I, Iron Fist is like three or four years ago. Exactly. Now. So he doesn't really seem new anymore, right? Um, yeah, and I mean, I'd say like Chris Samney as well. And Chris Samney is he's been around for longer than David Aja, I'm sure. Right, and his his work is amazing. And his, um, his again, I keep saying his Thor is just. People should just be buying that for the art alone. I mean, never mind the fact that the writing is really good. Mm-hmm. Even if you can't read, Thor is worth buying for the art. <laughs> Even if you can't read, Thor is worth buying. That... Marvel, put that on an advert. Right? Please, I'm begging. Marvel, I will pay you to do it. I will send you. I can only afford about 40 bucks, but I will totally. Yes, you've got I, to put that. At some that. point, I'm going to see Chris again, and Chris is completely just going to give me shit for saying that. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris. Um, Such a good quote. Marcus Martin, again, not incredibly new, but the stuff he's been doing with Amazing Spider-Man has been spectacular. Right, has been wonderful. It feels like Spider-Man. It wasn't meant to be. Um, (laughs) Kevin Husenga? Uh, Right, who's been around a long time now, right? I mean, this is the problem. It's that classic, like... I mean, what what is new? Who's new to you? Right. It's like, what's new to you? Um, bah, bah, bah. Let me think. Give me... But, and I, this I, is... but I think, like, Zenga, like, I think his storytelling goes beyond panel band composition. Uh, and I just think some of the things he does with the medium are amazing. Yes. 
He's absolutely. I, I think he's one of the most natural, con- naturally conversant in the language of comics creators that I've seen come up in the longest time. Yeah, yeah, he's he's amazing. God, who was I looking at? Who I thought was just absolutely brilliant, and I thought thought his stuff was pretty new. Um, you know, it's 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 one of those deals where I'm like. You know, we're both huge. We're both in the tank for Kate Beaton, and of course, you know, Kate Beaton has been doing this for like two or three years now. But yeah, her stuff's. I, I just every time I look at Kate Beaton's stuff, first of all, I think it's fucking hilarious. But I'm stunned that there isn't like a mainstream book publisher pushing her work out. I know. I, I, I it, it blows my mind. I, it's I, if anyone. I don't want to say deserved, but if anyone should be like a mainstream webcomic success, it should be KB. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Actually, um, I was super excited to find out that that her and Julia Wirtz were going to be on a panel together at SPX. Um, Because I really do think both of them are are bound, destined for great things, you know? Um, Hopefully someone will podcast that panel. Yeah, oh God, wouldn't that be great? I, I don't know, I mean, I, I know people are going to SBX, but I don't know if anyone is, any bloggers are going or anything like that. I don't know, it's usually, I think it seems like there's a, a it all seems like a pretty tight little turnout. Um, mm-hmm. uh, let me think, who else did I think was, was kind of amazing and awesome with like new storytelling power. I know there's somebody, I think I, think I should come back to the story. Adam has, has, um, has kind of stumped me. You know who who I actually I love that I've been meaning to to pimp here for a while is Lauren Davis turned me on to this webcomic called it's either called Menage a Trois and it's spelled with a three or it's called Menage a Three. Um, but it is a it's kind of a a sex comedy comic web comic that that's published um, that's at uh, let me see here. Um, why don't you open stupid browser? Uh, is at Menage uh, Three, the number three dot net, and the thing that I love about it, I mean, it's very much it's it's a it's a goofy sex comedy. It starts off very much being like a cross between Three's comedy and sort of the the traditional um, uh, Japanese harem manga, where you've got like a nerdy guy who ends up you know, being stuck in sexual uh, risque escapades with, like, devastatingly beautiful women who are, like, bound to him, like they're either his students or his roommates or something like that. There's a very Three's Company-type feel in that he's, like, a 29-year-old virgin who has, you know, a a punk rock super slutty roommate who's just moved in and a a French-Canadian blonde bombshell um, and they're, it's set in Canada, obviously. And I love her art style. It is so clearly influenced by like Dan Dillon. Um, there's, I just, I just am, am kind of nuts about it. And I don't know how many people, it, it's not something that I was like super up on, but I'm really behind the curve, curve when it comes to web comics. I, you know. Um, but it was one of those series that it updates about three times a week. They obviously have like a year's worth of material in. It's just goofy, sexy, sexy hijinks. But 
her style is so Dan Dillon influenced and has such a strong, confident, clear line um, that I I just I just love her stuff. She's somebody who I I'm assuming is you know successful in making a ton of cash doing what she's doing since it's a regular web comic that's a little porny. But oh my god, her, her I think she's just her stuff is great. I will have to go check it out. I did not know anything about it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the sort of thing that um, you know uh, a, a lot. It's a very it's a deeply silly comic, so it's going to not necessarily be something that's for everyone. And uh, you know, it sort of straddles that line. I'm sure between being too explicit for some and not explicit enough for most. Sure. Um, but I I actually I actually ended up. Uh, I have to say it's been it's been a good old fashioned sort of grown up Archie style comic book that I've loved reading in part because of her art. So And and wait, the URL is menage three dot net? Dot net, yeah, okay. exactly. Yep. Okay people, go and check that out right now. And then don't shout at me, shout at Jeff filters. <laughs> Okay, so okay uh, now I, now I think we're on to your questions. Unless you want to take the ones from the, do you want to go through Matt Craig's and the Savage Critic uh, you, comments? Because that could honestly be a podcast in and of itself. Because he asked us like twelve questions. I know, which is great. Um, how about we? I, I'm tempted to actually to to yeah to actually do a Craig cast and devote all of his questions. But I do think that he does ask something like a good chunk of them have to talk about. Uh, you know, it's like five of the questions boil down to why are all these bloody comics about charitably family and less so franchise? And I think that... Well, t- because the companies want to make a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, no, genuinely, I, I think I, I, that seems to me a no-brainer. They're, they're about franchise or and or family because the companies are trying to maximize the profits and this is clearly a situation where creative is being led by business but and- i mean I, I i'm of the what <laughs> like i i don't even understand why i don't i don't understand the alternative i guess uh, the the alternative to doing it, you mean, or the no, the, as in like, why would you ask that question? Is that not so evident? Well, I'm going to guess, and admittedly, one of the charms of Matthew Craig is I can never quite say for sure what the man is thinking. But let's talk about maybe from the context of the sort of <laughs> as as people are fond of asking as the Deadpool default question, why now? Maybe that's not that's not a bad question to ask right now. Why why now as opposed to ten years ago? I mean, what is it that they think that they're trying to achieve at this particular juncture, and why they're trying to achieve a success? <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I it sounds sarcastic, but I'm being serious. No, why no. now as opposed to ten years ago? Because ten years ago they had other characters that sold well enough that they didn't feel the need to do that with Deadpool. Whereas now they don't. Do and now also Marvel is massively overproducing content. Absolutely. The fact that there is going the fact that there's something like five Thor comics right. is insane. Right. The Absolutely. fact that Captain America is going I mean, I know he's got a movie coming out, but seriously, there should not be more than one Captain America comic. Right. Um 
You mean like there shouldn't be like a Steve Rogers comic and a Bucky Barnes comic, or am I? I, I, I mean, I mean, in the sense of right now, I think we've got Captain America, we've right. got Secret Avengers, which, to all intents and purposes, is a Steve Rogers comic. Right. Um, we have the Captain America Patriot series. We have Captain America Man Out of Time, um, and I think there's another miniseries in there as well. Yeah. In addition right. to his appearances in Avengers, right. in addition to his appearances in New Event and uh, New Ultimates and Ultimate Avengers. Right. That's um, too much. But at the same time, I, I, I think it's... Um, I did this thing for CBR a couple of weeks ago, or maybe longer now, mm-hmm. uh, about Dynamite and the Green Hornet books. Yes. Where I pretty much was like, there's no reason these books should all be around at the same time, and all you're doing is making Green Hornet less valuable. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's signal to noise. You're, you're flooding out. Because there are actually good Green Hornet comics out there. Mm-hmm. Who knew? But there are. Like, Dynamite does, to my mind, at least two and a half genuinely good Green, one, uh, Green Hornet comics. Wow. The half being the Kevin Smith one. But I think Matt Wagner's Green Hornet year one is really good. And I think, surprisingly, the Green Hornet Strikes, which is the, you know, future dystopian one. Right. Uh, which is horrifically late. I think they're like three months behind schedule already. Um, is really good. Like, it's a really strong superhero comic. Uh-huh. Um, but there's, I mean... There's like eight Green Hornet series, which is, which is insane. Um, and I think it's for the same reason that Marvel's putting out so many Thorns, so much, so many right. Captain America comics, which is there's a movie coming out and they want to flood the periodicals now so that they can flood the bookstores when the movie comes out. Well, I'm going to take that and I'm also going to add to it a little bit because my, my answer would be on the Marvel side of things, it would be Avengers. Um, I feel that, for lack of a better term, the uh, there's an Avengers family of titles, and there has been for a good chunk of time, um, most of them being written by Bendis, but not all of them. And for the most part, it's sold well enough to actually sustain, you know, uh, decent sales across three or four possible titles. So it seems like they go through, peri- you know, there are periods in comic book history where the idea of a family of titles work. I mean, it's not too long ago. Well, it it is actually only a long time ago. But it's worth remembering that at one point there was Superman and Superboy and Supergirl. And, you know, we kind of look back on those days, you know, at least I do, um, with a lot of affection for some of that uh, approach. It seems sort of silly that you're going to have, like, a Hulk um, family or a Wolverine family, but I also kind of understand the the appeal of a being able to take a popular character and figure out a way to to try and you know chain uh, hitch your wagon, I guess, to that character. Mm-hmm. Um, and and b I think that we're at a stage where, especially with Marvel, where as far as I know, unless you are creating something for Icon, which is, you know, the creator-owned line, you do not see any participation for new characters that you create. And it's been that way for a long time. Um, So I think it kind of makes sense that at, you know, a certain point... A, we're getting, you know, Deadpool, for example, I think is one of those characters that is one of the last characters that existed before people, you know, more or less, quote unquote, got wise and just, you know, stopped creating for Marvel. 
Uh, well, I, I, I think it goes beyond that, though, because you look at something like Atlas. Mm-hmm. Atlas, to all intents and purposes, are new characters. Because, yes, the, the names and the, the, the characters existed before Jeff Parker got his hands on them. Mm-hmm. But you could have asked anyone, you know, who is, you know, Jimmy Woo, and, and they wouldn't have known. They were so obscured that to all intents and purposes, and you think... And Marvel has tried like hell to make that book sell, and it sure. doesn't. I think the market is resistant to new concepts. I think that age. I think Atlas I think is not is, a new concept, though. I mean, it's those characters and the the way that to, to all intents and purposes, it's a new book. But but <laughs> here and. <laughs> I don't, but see, this is the thing. My personal feeling is is that maybe someone can turn around and be like, you know what, 2010 is the time for you to have a book with a, a gorilla adventurer and a human robot and the goddess of love. But okay, then what about Sword or Doctor Voodoo mm-hmm. or any new launch or Runaways, which got cancelled last year? Yeah, no, Runaways the, the, was... The market is resistant to superhero books that are unfamiliar. I I certainly... I I think it goes beyond they are not getting creative participation, which I'm also not entirely sure is the case for Marvel. I think Marvel might be getting some participation now. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm certainly wrong. Um, but I, I don't... I think it goes... I think it goes way beyond any level of people aren't just aren't creating new characters. I think it has a lot to do with the audience doesn't want them mm. or doesn't want them in enough numbers to support them. Yeah, no, I think that could be that, that certainly seems to be the case with Marvel. Uh, and, and it's probably the case with DC as well. Uh, I, you know, I think, I think both Marvel and DC, um, that, that for the superhero market, people feel like there's more than enough superheroes out there and yeah they do want the familiarity of the characters i also frankly feel that there's people want the they want the complexity of an established universe but they don't they don't want to hang around and wait for that universe to get built i suppose so i think oh, yeah, they, no, they want to be able to step into it and it, it is already there yeah so i think it's very easy in a way to create say you know, if you have a new Robin, if you have a new Batgirl, and you can put them into Batman's universe, the reader already has all those situations in place. And I think there's something to be said for that with Hulk and Wolverine, you know. And and consequently, there's a way in which... Um, Ugh, I more or less lost my train of thought. That, that Hulk and Wolverine, in, in particular, are not family characters. So therefore putting putting a context of building a family, particularly for the Wolverine stuff, it's kind of a kind of an interesting idea. I think I think the the re- regretful dad aspect of Wolverine is is kind of a an interesting pathway to, to go with him. I I think it's much more successful for Wolverine than it's for the Hulk. Yeah. And and that might just be the way it's been built for the Hulk. Mm-hmm. But to my mind the Red Hulk as a character is um, too similar to the Hulk in visuals mm-hmm. and too dissimilar in every single other way to genuinely feel connected to the Hulk. Right. I, even to the Hulk concept. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I, you know, and the same with with A bomb, and the same with the multiple She Hulks you've got now. Right. Um, I think it's. I feel that one is really just trading off franchise than any story purpose. I think with Wolverine, you have some level of story purpose in there. The thing that's really funny about the Hulk thing is it used to be the problem was that um, the title kind of became here's the Hulk. Who's the new gamma-powered supervillain that he's up against this month? And yeah. now it's this weird, like, it's not even that far out. Now it's just Hulk. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm yeah. like, wow, it's very strangely derivative. So, um... I, I'm going to take a detour here for a second. I sure. read um, the collection, the first collection of Greg Pak's Incredible Hulk post, like, the first one of him with Bruce Banner and Scar, the, the Hulk son. Oh, yes. Um, have you read it? I have not. Have you read Dan Slott's Mighty Avengers? I have not. There's this really weird thing that's happening, and I really hope someone out there who's read both will be able to crystallize this for me because it's not crystallized in my head. But um, I feel Marvel has created this new stereotype of the brainy guy. that Because um, the way that Bruce Banner acts in Greg Pak's Hulk is really, really, really similar to the way that Hank Pym acts in Dan Slott's Many Avengers. Hmm. And the cliche is, or the cliche, the, the, the character type is essentially, he's smarter than you, but he's a dick. He, he's so smart that he has somehow become, he's not just smart, he's Machiavellian. Right. And does not understand how to act around people and will retreat to using gadgets and manipulation to get what he wants because he is smarter and what he wants will ultimately be for the best. Right. And it's a really weird... It's a it's just a really weird thing where it, it feels like it's, on one hand, like the revenge of the smart guy because the smart guy is now the hero of the stories without having superpowers. Hooray! Right. But on the, the flip side of that is they're all assholes. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like it's revenge of non-nerds in nerd culture. Yes, the nerds are now the heroes, but they're dicks. Right. It's kind of it's kind of like, yeah, they've all got Asperger's and are kind of, you know, and, and don't know how to interact with anyone yeah, and you and don't it, want and to spend time with them. Yeah, and when did, when did that become what quote-unquote geniuses acted like? Like, when did that become the the portrayal of scientists? When... At what point did that become the agreed upon thing? It's really weird. Like, honestly, Greg Pak's Bruce Banner acts really like Dan Slott's Hank Pym, and I don't know why. Is it, it, wouldn't the short answer be the, the short glib answer to when, when did that become the case be Mark Miller's uh, Civil War? Um, I mean, no, because is... I, I think I'm, I, I have a horrible, horrible feeling it actually goes back to. Grant Morrison and Mark Waits, Batman and Jelly. Ah, interesting. I think I might go back to the they're smarter than you, they know better than you, and they're manipulating you. Right. That could be. Uh, and it's 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 a really weird thing, and I can't put my finger on it. And if I could, I like I'd make this incredible essay that everyone would love. Well, but, I do. Uh, I do it's, love it's the there, non just there. the revenge of the non nerd in in nerd culture is actually a a, a great idea. 
for an essay. But, but I'm not sure if that's what it is. It's really weird. People, commenters, people out there, if you if you've read these books and you know what I'm talking about, please help me with this because it's 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 there enough for me to know it's there, but it's not there enough for me to put my finger on what it is. Yes. Let's get at your questions. By, you by, questions. by all means. Let's bypass <laughs> Jeff entirely, people. Uh, hey, you haven't read the books, Jeff. You said I, that. I'm to wrong. be fair, I know, I know. I'm just kind of shocked to the glee and abandon by which you just cut me out of the picture there, though. My well, God. It was more, it was more I suddenly realized that I was talking complete shit. And I was like, let's stop talking shit. <laughs> No, 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 no. I think it's good to solicit uh, the opinions, and and you are trying to open this up for discussion. Um, okay. That, so... that and I hate you, Jeff. <laughs> who, who was it you told on Twitter that we were we we're mortal enemies? Mortal. <laughs> I don't remember, but it made me laugh. I, it's great that you, oh, who was it? I referred to us as arch enemies. Oh, it was. Yes. Um, I, I'm trying to find it. I can't. <laughs> I can't find this. <laughs> you know who it was? It's it's uh, the guy who does um, uh, Nathan Sorry, right? It's Rich uh, Rich Barrett. Rich, Rich yeah, you're yeah. right. And, and do I have it as and Nathan Sorry? Hey, there's a shout out to Rich. Uh, seems like a great guy. I enjoy Nathan Sorry a lot. And yeah, he he was like, you guys play off each other well. And I'm like, well, pfft, little did you know. It's like. <laughs> I, Oh, actually, there's actually a very good question from good old James Livesay here, too. That is, I'm going to jump to the top of the queue since he was kind enough to be one of our first commenters. He gets special bonus privileges. Uh, which is worse right now, DC editorial or Marvel coloring? That question just makes um, me laugh. I actually really like some Marvel coloring, so I'm going to say DC editorial. I'm also going to say D- DC editorial because, let's put it this way, when a book is solicited under one group of people and then it comes out with a completely different lineup of talent, you can bet that the colorist was not the person who caused that to happen. So I'm, I'm going to agree with Graham. Currently DC editorial, I'm not really sure. You know, it's funny that I picked up a whole bunch of Marvel comics this week that, of course, I will never get a chance to talk about. And I'm not really sure that I hated the coloring. Um, oh, I, I think there's I think there's some problematic coloring. There's um I can't remember the, his name. Frank, someone who at least used to do Captain America, and I don't think does anymore. Right. Uh, had a very particular way of using computer coloring, which was almost painterly, uh, uh-huh. and then suddenly became very look at I know how to use Photoshop. And that style was adopted by a lot of people who aren't as skilled as him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it became very, what if I put a blob of color right here? Will that look like a highlight? And it's like, no, it looks like a blob of color. <laughs> but there are, um, I mean, Dean White's coloring for Marvel, and Dean White's coloring is absolutely drop-dead beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's some amazing coloring in uh, Marvel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I actually agree. I will, however, say that uh, I, in a surplus of, unfortunately, sentiment and cash, I picked up the Punisher Max Happy Ending One-Shot by Peter Milligan and Juan Jose Reap. And I, I, I know why you picked that up, because you'd think Peter Milligan would be a guarantee of some level of quality. And you'd probably be wrong. <laughs> well, see, this is it. I actually I thought Milligan would be a great to pick up and discuss because the chances were it would either be good or it would be terrible, but there would be a lot to discuss. And you know, either way. And and honestly, I I like Juan Jose Rip stuff. I really do. But the 
I did not like it here. This was definitely one of the more boneheaded wastes of $4 that um, I could have probably thrown it in the street and enjoyed watching the dollar bills like dance away uh, in the wind more than I actually enjoyed uh, reading this comic, unfortunately. The coloring on it, though, <laughs> that bad, really? kind of terrible. Yeah, uh, it kind of was. I mean, I felt like I knew where it was coming, like where it was going pretty much in page two, and the surprise was whether or not it was going to surprise me. Uh, Rip stuff, I know that there's a problem with Rip in that the amount of detail, the amount of line weight and detail that he puts into his work tends to be so um, without variation that it ends up kind of washing out. He sort of looks like... um, it always sort of reminds me in a very superficial way of Jeff Darrow's work, but Darrow's got a really great way of being able to play with how the detail ends up on the page such that you're over, you're always stimulated, but it's, it never washes out. Um, and rip stuff, I think, unfortunately has a tendency to layer in so much detail and not pay nearly as much attention to it such that it, it can just completely flatten out on me. And they did a really interesting... The colorists apparently did a very... Tried to to, to counteract that by working with um, a lot of variation in the the coloring to try and re, re-give um, detail and direction to the art. And, and consequently, it looks really creepy like I, I wish I could figure out what it every time I look at it I get a real strong hit of like this reminds me of comics that it actually reminds me it of a Jack Chick comic but without the entertainment value of everyone going to hell you know what I mean so <laughs> it, frankly, I, 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 I've just looked up it's Lee Loveridge who did the coloring um, really and it, yeah I'm looking at it right now it doesn't well, according to the um the preview that's on CDR. I'm looking at the coloring. It doesn't look like Lee Loveridge coloring at all. Yeah, no, it it is not. The Punisher happy ending one shot. The coloring is credited to Maury Howell and oh, Andres well, Massa on the inside. Okay, I was, uh, was going to say, like, looking at um, CBR, it definitely says Lee Loveridge, but that could just be Marvel changing it between solicitation and release. <laughs> um <laughs> Maury Howell does tends to do a lot of colors for um, Ed McGuinness, mm, mm-hmm. um, and I kind of think that it's he's good when he does colors for McGuinness because McGuinness's art is so spare. Exactly. When he adds texture, it works. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at this uh, some color preview of the this Punisher book right here, and it is um, I just don't like Rip's work. It Rip's work looks like what someone who's read a lot of comics and is in high school and really wants to be a comic artist wants to render like, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's actually the finishing and the rendering that, that really makes me think that. It just, it's, it's not even, it's not ugly enough to be ugly. It's just, it's not attractive to me. You know, uh, which is, f- uh, I don't necessarily have a problem with because it, it has the, oh, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Faust. That's what it reminds me of, not Jack Chick at all. It, I can totally see that. Yeah, it totally reminds me of Tim Vigil's Faust. That's with the with the coloring in it. There's just an additional level of like, eh. Um, again, I I mean, admittedly, I'm a sucker for people who who have that um, 
that inf- that Jeff Darrow influence. So maybe maybe I'm I'm willing to excuse things. Also, I saw Rip do a lot of, you know, he's European or Argentinian, and I've seen him do. I saw him do like a lot of porn work before he started working for Avatar, and um, I kind of feel that that I. I see your 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 instincts and I agree with them. On the other hand, there's part of me that thinks that there are times when that is tonally right for what's being called for. And in theory, with Punisher Max Happy Ending, which is all about a guy who goes to a massage parlor and gets dragged into a sort of after-hours-esque type um, nightmare, I can see where they thought it was the right choice, but really each more you know supposedly ostensibly sensible decision ended up being the wrong one to take at each step and i ended up <laughs> not liking it unfortunately oh, so dear. yeah oh dear let's see god we've got so many questions here that i don't even know here's one i'll pick, ask pick, you pick the easy ones yeah <laughs> yeah exactly i i think i'll ask you I, it looks like this was a chad nevick question um oh is, is this the, the warren ellis versus jeff johns one yes warren ellis well, and jeff johns my, uh, in what sense? If it's in a fight, for example, I think Warren's going to take it. I think he would end up being one of those like really scrappy. Like, I think he'd fight dirty, and I think Jeff Johns wouldn't. Jeff Johns would be like, "No, we should stay with the rules," and Warren Ellis would just be like, "I blinded you by putting my fingers in your Warren eyes." Warren Ellis uh, is like he. That guy is like in competition with George Perez for the least healthy man in comics. Do you no, really think that? Yeah, he would. Oh, he'd kick Jeff Johns' ass because, like, Jeff. Jeff is a basically decent human being who would see that and be like, "I'll go easy on him," and Warren Ellis will like knife him. Okay, see, this is the only thing that you and I can agree on. I personally think that Jeff Johns, as he moves in for the finishing blow, will be undone by the fact that Warren Ellis clearly uses his walking stick to, like, some sort of knife or blade or something. Jeff will think, you know, let's play by the Mayberry rules. And Warren will be like, I have a gun. it's it's, It's just completely unmatched. As writers, um... I don't know. It depends what you like. As writers, I think I'm just I'm gonna say this and like the internet will then collapse on me. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think Jeff Jones recycles his material less than more else does. What? Think, oh my god, are you serious? See? <laughs> see? <laughs> <laughs> but I think more else is more interesting material to start with. Okay. I would say <laughs> that Ellis is the more interesting writer initially who has done more to descend to the level of self-parody. I think that Jeff Johns started off as is a very smart, sensible guy who seems to know what he does well. As you're saying this, I'm literally thinking something along parallel lines. Honestly, like you're saying it, I'm like, I know exactly what I want to say, and Jeff's going to get there before we die. <laughs> <laughs> no, you should go it, because I, I, think, I think I actually got derailed once you said that, so. <laughs> My plot worked. <laughs> um, Jeff Jones has done more with the amount of talent than Warren Ellis has. Warren Ellis is more willing to slum it than Jeff Jones is. Jeff yes. Jones will always work harder than Warren Ellis. Yes, I that is true. However, part of what started to derail me is I do think that actually um, 
the things that Johns has, I, I think that Johns is willing to not go to places that he does not think are popular. Um, yes, and I also think Jeff Johns is more willing to not go to places that he thinks will make him uncomfortable. And I think he doesn't, I don't think he knows that. I think he thinks that like showing people tearing arms off is that place, and I don't think it is. See, my my thing is more that I think he can write like a really sort of well-crafted, like, you know, like I'm thinking back on like something like Teen Titans where he did had, you know, Connor Kent and, and Wonder Girl finally go on their date. And I thought that that was sweet, but it was so slender, you know? It's like, I think that he doesn't, I think it's stuff that he can do well, but he will never do it because he has, he just doesn't think that the marketplace is interested in it, and he's not really that interested in it himself. I think he's got a talent for it, but I don't think he will ever develop that talent. Did you read his Superboy, the adventure comics? I did not. Um, My, I really enjoyed that, but also felt incredibly frustrated for the same reasons you're talking about. I think Jeff Johns has a wonderful incredibly touching coming of age story inside him that does not involve superheroes or melodrama and I don't think he'll ever write it. I agreed. He will never tell it and it's and the only reason why I feel confident in that is that I feel that it was my criticism about Jeff Johns before he became huge and it's still the same criticism that I have now. So I kind of don't think he ever will. For better or for worse, I do think that Ellis is going to um because of Ellis's short attention span, I think he will try his hand at just about anything. Um, I don't think... No, but he won't. You don't like, think he, so? No, he thinks he will, but he won't. You don't think Ellis will... See, I think that Ellis... No, because he'll try. He'll, he'll genuinely believe he is. Uh-huh. And he'll end up reading like a Warren Ellis comic. Well, but that was going to be that was going to be the other part that I was going to mention. Is is like he may actually even stumble on it, but every year it seems less and less likely because every year it becomes more and more quote Warren Ellisy. You know what I mean? So, but like uh, I, I think I think Ellis still has the potential to surprise me, um, but I think that he has squandered so much talent on either the easy way out you know there's 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 some uh there was a great expression about a writer about writers and i wish i could remember it fully but it was something along the lines of the danger with showing a writer a shortcut is it becomes the path that they always take and i always feel i feel that that every year becomes more and more the case with ellis that he becomes so ossified in his in his skill set that we'll just never see him break out. I just don't think that I'm going to see the, the only thing that's going to end up surprising me about Warren's work as time goes on, I think is when I end up enjoying it, you know, like every once in a while there will be something that will be a very pure distillation of his stuff. That is clearly him that I will like, like when uh, I pull it out at the top of a hat drop of a hat and it's a couple of years old now, but, uh, and I can never say it, so I should learn, but crazy, crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, wonderful stuff. And it's so clearly an Ellis book, but it's clearly sort of a new way of of doing an Ellis book that I thought it was it was fucking terrific. 
Um, and I can't think of anything that he's done it's, since it's then. It's such, but it's such an unfair question. They're such different writers, and they do try and do different things. Uh, and it's it's I, it's. I think what really what annoys me about the question is that it's, <laughs> is Chad. <laughs> yeah, Chad, it's you. Like, it's, it's it like it's it's so unfair because it's a. Uh, you know, my superheroes are cutting edge versus your superheroes are old-fashioned granddads, like false dichotomy. Right. Um, if it came down to it, if you forced both at gunpoint to write unlike themselves and not use any of their standby routines, mm-hmm. I would want to read Ellis's more than I'd want to read John's. But in terms of where my personal tastes are and where they are as writers, right now I'd rather read John's than Ellis. I'm the same way. I'm currently, I'm the same way, but I do feel I can look back on, on huge swaths of stuff that, that Ellis has written. Sure. But, it, but it's, it's one of those things is like me saying Jones does not mean I dislike Alice. No, 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 no. And I, I, I totally agree with you. Who's better, Jack Kirby or Grant Morrison? I, I think I'm still trying to do the Stan Lee thing of whenever you have the two characters fight, one wins, but the other one could have won kind of thing you know excelsior you know so it's kind of that thing of like oh sure daredevil lost against submariner but he did such a great job it's like he really won he lost on purpose (laughs) exactly so it it is a tough question because i think they are doing very different things and therefore it's kind of like i would never think of comparing those two guys in a way like it would be interesting to try and come up with with people who are like Who's the most like doing has similar goals like like Warren Ellis or Matt Fraction, for example, as opposed to Ellis or, or Jeff Johns? You know? Oh, we see that that's see that one's easy for me because uh, it again becomes Fraction for you, right? No, it because it's Ellis. Ah, interesting. Because Fraction doesn't have the breadth either of experience or of work. Interesting. And I think that I, I, again, the internet's going to follow me. I think that Ellis is more interested in challenging himself than Fraction, who I think with every single new release becomes a lazier and lazier writer. Ooh la la. Internet, I don't know if you collapsed on yourself, but I certainly felt... Okay, three, Okay, the reason I say that is, and this is what I was saying earlier on, I saw the preview for the next issue of Iron Man, and I swear to God, if you had said the villain of the first Iron Man movie has a daughter and she's out to get Tony Stark, right Matt Fraction's opening scene. I could have written it. It felt that tired. It felt that... Everything about it felt like I'd read it before. And mm-hmm. really, the Fraction... And this is, and this is like completely unfair, because I'm like, hey, the Fraction of two years ago, I wouldn't have said that about it. But it's true. <laughs> Um, and I don't know if it's that I've read too many Fraction comics or that I'm, you know, I'm just too in tune with what Fraction's trying to do or whatever, but I was bored by it. And I think that Ellis took quite some years to devolve to self-parody. And I think Matt's jumped there much faster. <laughs> Harsh. Um, but I, I can... And again, like, seriously, the internet is, like, at this point, lighting up outside my door. Yes. If we listen, we can almost hear them and hear the dogs barking at them. Oh, yeah. Uh... I was barking upstairs, by the way. <laughs> 
Uh, no, but really, I, I feel that um, I think it's one of those things. I, I think that um, Fraction and Ellis both have the same thing where they genuinely believe they're challenging. And I think Bendis falls into this as well. They genuinely believe they're challenging themselves. They genuinely believe they're getting better. Right. And they're surrounded by people who agree with them. Yes. They're surrounded by people who agree with them. Right. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, you know, the thing is, is uh, I'm, I'm behind on fraction stuff. I've been, I've been coolish. I feel like I'm more coolish about it than a good chunk of the, the internet. So it's, it's kind of tough for me to actually like anything that I say is, is going to be ill-informed, but I think that those are really fascinating points. So I, I'm actually going to see, I'm like, hmm, let's see if we can reinflate the universe, uh, the internet. So who would be the equivalent comparison to like Jeff Johns, somebody who's like doing Johnsian work or is like a Jeff John. Oh, okay. So like Jeff Johns and Peter Tomasi, then let's try that. Uh, oh, that's a tough one. Um, I'd probably say Jeff just because he's, again, he's got more experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've not read enough Tomasi stuff. I, I really like Tomasi stuff when I read it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tomasi is like Sterling Gates to me in that I feel like what I like about their work is very Jeff Johnsian. Right. So in other words, you 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 like his you like the stuff. You haven't seen anything that suggests that what's really working for you is something that's stepping outside of the influence currently. Yeah, I'm ju- I'm just I'm very aware of the influence. I think I should say. Uh-huh. I, I I quite believe that they could step outside it, but at the same time. With the market being what it is, why would they want to? Well, in, interestingly enough, Tomasi, I'll be curious to see what he ends up doing with Batman and Robin. But as I recall, he did stuff on The Outsiders that was not particularly well received. And I don't think that I liked much myself. His his first year or so when he moved, started moved, when he moved from editorial into freelancing, I did not think was uh, especially strong per se. Um, to, the, ma- to, the majority of stuff I've read from, I admit, is the Green Lantern stuff as well, which might be why I'm sensing an incredibly strong right influence. Well, and but I think it is also where he started to to develop like a quote unquote name for himself. Like I think that stuff because having sat down and uh, about a month or so ago and reading the Sinestro uh, War in the trades. I really did enjoy Tomasi's Green Lantern core stuff. Or well actually, you know, actually let me qualify that. I think now that I think about it, he did the wrap up and it was Dave Gibbons stuff. It was, yeah, was it was Dave Gibbons, yeah. Who's who's who Gibbons, who I tend to generally think is is workmanlike as a writer, I ended up actually enjoying his Green Lantern core stuff as well. So But again, how much of that was really especially right. with Sinestro Core, how much of that wasn't Jones? Well, they they had sort of two sort of parallel, yeah, yeah parallel storyline sort of thing. So, but they dovetailed. I don't know. I, I really, you know, I, I think in, when a crossover is that tight, mm-hmm. I think there really is an element of at some point the two of them sat down and plotted plotted each other's stories out as well. Mm-hmm. And so, in terms of plot, it's actually really difficult to separate. Right. And I'm probably doing Dave Gibbons a horrendous disservice there. <laughs> well, I, this just really is the episode where like I'm just gonna piss everyone off. Isn't it's it? it's kind of awesome because it really is like we you know we had Kurt Busiek like actually like weigh in in our comments, man. I you don't know so who's bad. listening to this I stuff. So bad. I, I mean, I myself am actually tempted to take some of your shit talking and turn it into a ringtone for my phone. I think that would be oh. awesome. 
fucking... <laughs> Particularly with New York Comic Con coming up. It's like I'll be That'd sitting be there awesome. in the middle of a thing, and then all of a sudden, there's Graham going, it's really who squandered their talent most. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's the phone. Yeah, yeah when it rings like on the marble pile. <laughs> Um, well, you know, uh, let's see, you know, what's great is I actually like saw that there was another question in our, um, our comments thread. And so I like posted it into this little sticky note that I have with everyone's questions. And then I just looked at it and it's like, ever think about writing a review or two instead of just advertising your podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes yes i do and hopefully i'll have some time later this week to do it yeah i i also have been thinking about it and uh yeah the time the time factor is actually kind of rough so um thank you anonymous person who sure sounds like michael aronson but uh might not be um uh, believe it or not, it is something that we, we genuinely do think about, especially because, I mean, I know that you saw Hibbs's little, like, maybe I should close down the site, you know, yes. post. and I was like, oh man, like, A, I've got to get in and buy that guy a beer and make sure he's doing okay. And B, kind of like looking, if you look at, if you look at the front page of the Savage Critics and you scroll down, up and down the thing, it's, you know, I, I'm really glad that we're doing the weekly podcast, but we, apart, you know, it's the front page is currently like 80% our podcast mentions and and then it's like 15% shipping list and 5% surprise you know so it's kind of it's kind of weird we're at a weird period for our website certainly so believe it or not anonymous uh question asker uh it is actually something that i know i think about literally every day it would not surprise me if graham driven person that he is does too so i i yeah i do i I think about it um probably more than is healthy without actually doing something about it (laughs) well believe it or not i still manage to think faster than i type so yeah it is actually a much faster uh process before we go any further i have to say because i was just looking back at comments and I, I opened up the wrong thing and i suddenly remembered terrence's comment about us talking about jonathan hickman's fantastic four Terrence, I love you for saying what you said. Ah, wait. wait did, did, did you read? Did you read what he said? I, I, and I, I'm, I'm being entirely genuine. When I say no, 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 no. It, it, it is. I think it's that great one where he talks about the fact that maybe we're just old and don't get it. Yes, is that the one. Yes. Yeah, I thought that was yeah, a great I, comment. I really, really love that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I disagree with him. I, I don't. I mean, we're old, but uh, I don't think that's necessarily why I'm unhappy with the work. But I love. I love that he gets it in a way that we don't mm-hmm. and I love that I don't know I just I'm really happy when people have that reaction to work especially if it's work that I don't have that reaction to right no I, I'm I'm definitely the same way and there's part of me that's like hmm maybe I should sit down and hmm you know um, because I think that that actually is good I'm I'm also very happy when other people are like yeah tell it like it is I mean I like when it's a conversation and if people can um you guys got to remember you're old really old and i i do i do think that uh part of the reason i love that as well is that that's the sort of thing i say Mm -hmm. i mean i feel like he's completely engaging with me on my level right i I don't think that personally get angry about it i'm like huh okay yeah yeah 
No, I, it's funny because as someone who, because I'm older than you, it does hit my soft spot, and I'm like, no, You're man, like, no. Oh. <laughs> I'm totally not old. Like, look, I, I'm 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 drinking a can of PPR, and I have an exotic pet, and uh, I'm not overcompensating at all, and uh, I'm bicycling uh, down the street to uh, my favorite vegan taco joint, um, and I'm wearing a t-shirt, and I'm 45 years old. You know, it's like it's it's kind of bad. Um, I feel that should be like the narration that starts a TV show. I'm sorry, what's that? That should be a narration that starts a TV show. <laughs> and then it's like, she's like, Jeff is old. Jeff is old. He's not overcompensating. That actually would be great. I would totally reality show people if you want me to be a, a tremendous jackass where I like hang out like in hipster bars and because I really do I do have those moments where I'm like hey, I, I, reality show is just don't wish that on yourself oh I know because I would never do it but I did have that moment where like um, because we're trying to sublet our place like we had people come by to look at our apartment and I answered the door and it's one of those great like sitcomian type situations where the um where the people who I was showing the apartment to were like younger, more successful versions of ourselves in that it was like a writer and a graphic designer, but they were both in like their late twenties or maybe had just turned thirty and had moved out here from the East Coast and both had like you know, incredible resumes under their belt. Not that they, you know, that I found out by Googling their name, right? And and I answered the door to show them the place, and I really was just wearing whatever I was wearing, which was my Scott Pilgrim t-shirt that I love dearly. But there is kind of that thing of, like, at what point are you too old to actually wear, like, a t-shirt with, like, a comic book logo on it? Like, I know that most people are going to say, like, you're never too old, but I secretly disagree. Honestly, I was going to say, no, there is an age. There, there's, yeah. a point where, there's a point where uh, you should not be wearing this. And I'm not, I'm saying generic you, not you. But um, you should No, 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 but that's the scary part is I think <laughs> I agree with you, Graham, and it might be not the generic you. It might really be me. <laughs> I think maybe I crossed that at the latest, like, last year, and I'm kind of looking at it going can never wear this shirt again can i wow i guess i just have to okay i can wear plain t-shirts and colored t-shirts and i should stick to color things but all these logo things i put them on and i look at myself and i'm just like i just don't think that yeah a a 44 year old man really should be wearing this t-shirt because it just looks like no clearly i'm I'm too old for this. God help me. So I guess what I'm saying, so, listeners, so, thanks, is... Terrence. Yeah. Terrence, you've made Jeff face up to his own mortality. Isn't that great? I'm kind of like, it's such a great dichotomy of reactions. Like, Graham's like, thanks, I, Terrence, I, for putting I, I it really, in terms really I understand. It up, but there you go. And Jeff is like, thanks, Terrence. I'm now going to drink myself into a stupor and my wife can wake me up weeping, you know, like when I'm crying in my sleep tonight. No, I I actually thought that it was uh, they were good points. I'm not sure if I will end up agreeing per se. Still, I mean, I would I'll have to sit down and read a chunk of them in the trade because I just don't think that. I, yeah, I, I I don't agree. Like I, I, I'm I, I'm glad he thinks that, but I just don't. Yeah, agree I I but I I think that yeah. And that even if he is, I don't think it really addresses the problems I had with the pacing. Yeah, but, and, yeah. But honestly, I'm really glad it works for him. Mm-hmm. Me too. And I, I do think that there's something to be said for um, 
uh, crushing my hopes and dreams. So. <laughs> Good job, Terrence. Well done, sir. Well done. My my Scott Pilgrim shirt is will be sent to you in the mail. If just give me an address, <laughs> I will mail it to you. Um, okay, so it's been uh, a surprisingly <laughs> scattered, but hopefully yeah, amusing really, hour. This, this has been all over the place and basically involved me pissing on people. And and it has been I, awesome. I, I really, I genuinely do try not to do that anymore, and I'm just completely pissing people for never. Well, no, but I don't. I don't think that it's never. Um... It's never just pissing on people. Well, I mean, it's never mean or anything like. I mean, you know, I I think I think that you are somebody who you know, two years ago you were pretty consistently in the tank for fraction. You talked. Uh, I think you know. I ended up picking up the first couple of, uh, you know, the first arc of of his Iron Man stuff based purely on how well I, you were I speaking think of the it. first. Uh... I would say everything up to the end of Worlds Most Wanted is really good in Iron Man. And I mm-hmm. think, I just, I don't know. I, I Maybe I just passed a line with him. Like I said, like, I really loved Casanova the first time around. And this time around, for some reason, it is just not working for me. Right. Well, uh, so maybe, maybe I've changed as a reader. Maybe. Maybe it's, maybe it's not him, it's me. <laughs> That'd be great. Graham McMillan to comics. It's not you, it's me. Hey, I did start off... Today, or last episode, listeners, um, by saying that I was feeling an ennui with comics. So mm-hmm. you never know. Maybe this is today's theme. Maybe it is. Uh, I will say one of the things that um, is not is not going to end your ennui, nor is it really worth <laughs> the three ninety nine per issue. But I picked up issues one and three of Marvel Universe versus the Punisher, and I have to say, okay, why? <laughs> I'll tell you all you need to know about that book right now. It's Go called ahead. Marvel Universe versus The Punisher, Jeff. Okay. And? <laughs> Why did you feel the need to buy that? Never mind that. Why did you feel the need to buy only odd-numbered issues? Well, okay. Were admittedly... you thinking it was a Star Trek movie? What the heck? That was even exactly, the even numbers are the good ones. Which probably explains why I don't like these two. Uh, no, um... I bought them for uh, for a Gore- friend. What? Yes, exactly. They're they're for Edie. She loves uh, the <laughs> Punisher. She loves the Punisher. Yes. Uh, particularly when he's like fighting the Marvel Universe. Fight. She loves it. Yes. There's nothing she loves better than like very obscure, like half-drawn, like C-list characters in the backgrounds of pictures where the Punisher is like shooting people in the head. It uh, uh, Goran Parlov who is not a new cartoonist and has been around for a long time and, in fact, did work on The Punisher under Ellis. Um, sure, and did some last month stuff. Yeah, and yeah. I, I like Parlov's stuff a lot. So he he tends to specialize in drawing, like, manly men, um, you know, action. In fact, he did the, the uh, Barracuda miniseries, I think, in fact, because he had drawn the initial... I don't know if he sure. drew the initial arc, I think. But in any event, I like his work a lot. And Marvel Universe versus The Punisher, the other thing that I like about it is it clearly rips off the vibe of Charlton Heston's Omega Man um, in that in that it's it's Frank Castle. He's in a, a universe where, he, you know, the Marvel Universe, it's not, it's not quite the Marvel zombie verse, but it's essentially a... 
Um, it's it's actually, God help me, it's kind of like if you took Garth Ennis's crossed and you put it in the Marvel Universe. So there is a virus that has driven everyone in uh, insane and into violent killers. And the one person, ironically enough, who's been left uh, uninfected is Frank Castle. Um, and in, in a very in a very I am legend Omega Manny type way. And so it the first issue has him, you know, hunting down and, and killing Deadpool for like the three hundred and seventh time. And then it moves into a lot of backstory. But it's him it's it's just it's just the Omega Man with the Punisher in it, except instead of killing vampires, he's killing like, you know, berserk Marvel superheroes. Not great. Like I said, I don't think that you would like it, like even in the slightest. And to be honest, um, I missed the second Neither issue. Do you. Well, no. To be honest, I was I, I enjoyed it, but I did not love it. And it's something that was is not worth the eight dollars that I've spent on it so far, and the fully sixteen bucks if I put all the money into it. But. Um, it, you know, there's pacing problems. Like, there's way too much love of the backstory. Like, the whole like what happened and how the universe crumbles, how civilization crumbles. It's way, way, way too in love with its own backstory. Even though that's also ends up being the engine that drives the plot. But in terms of like, I really like the art, and I really like, <laughs> I really like Charlton Heston's Omega Man enough to read a weird um, Marvel superhero rip on it, um, and and especially for Goran Parlov's art, some of the stuff that he does where he's drawing lots of weird, you know, mad zombie versions of superhero villains. It's surprisingly effective. I I ended up enjoying it. It is not it is not a book that I recommend everyone go out and buy. But man, if you guys you know a year from now, if you're like dragging through the dollar bins and you come across this, I, I totally think that it's for, certainly for like a dollar, it is a good disposable uh, read. Some gorgeous art, and I wish there there would be. I wish it had ended up being better than it was, because you know. I'll be honest, like Fred Van Lente's follow-up, Marvel Zombies follow-up stuff with Machine Man, I actually ended up enjoying um, a lot. And frankly, if it had had this level of art on it, I think I would have spent a lot of time speaking well of it rather than sort of reading a couple of issues of it and kind of going, oh, it's okay, and not ever mentioning it to anyone. Okay. So, yes, I know. You're like, so thank you for giving me the solution to my ennui that will help me not at all, Jeff. I appreciate that. It's it's just one of those books that honestly holds almost literally the opposite. Of <laughs> the opposite of appeal to you. I totally get it. I totally get it. And if I were to, to, to point it out to you, but you know what? I, what I will do is when I mail you that issue of Batman 701, I will put these issues in there and you can look at them and you will go, I do not like this, but I can see. But it's Jeff pretty. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's all I'm hoping for is that you can do that. So um, if you do that, I will at least be satisfied. Okay. <laughs> what other comics have you bought? You told me there were other comics. I bought the first issue of Wolverine, um, which, as you remember, I almost put as my like my fifth title. And boy, am I glad that I didn't, because honestly, uh, I I thought it was I was expecting it to be like a good, strong, awesome start, and I thought it kind of um, 
it was eh. It starts off with a the the art is pretty. The first three or four pages of you know, I'm two tough guys talking about their lives and how they regret what they've done, but what can they do different kind of thing, followed by a, a sort of extensive action sequence that seems to involve like a, a demonically possessed uh, Logan. You know, the opening was great, and then it seemed to really kind of go downhill. I was kind of hoping for something mm, a little different. Um, Who's I, drawing? It's, uh, I want to say it's, it's a guy whose name I'm going oh, to get Oh, it's, it's Renato Guedes, isn't it? Yes. It's, it's the guy, he, the guy who did some beautiful work on Superman, Jim Robinson. Oh, really? Okay. That, that's where he comes from, yeah. He, he yeah. does some really, really nice work there. He does, he does some very good work here, too, at least in terms of his ability to draw sort of expressions and, um, and action yeah. and stuff. Like I'm not sure that he'll be a good Wolverine artist, though. It, 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 what I liked about his work in the Superman books, I don't think would necessarily play well with Wolverine. Mm, interesting. I think, I think it might be too static. I, a, a good Wolverine artist for me would have to be someone who could draw action well right uh, and also be less clean than he does yeah uh i th- i think his work is not especially clean and he's got a especially with jason aaron's work like aaron aaron tends to take his um a lot of his ideas kind of come have a trash culture bent to them if you know what I mean so like especially in this first issue there's a group of assassins that show up to wipe out um, Wolverine's new girlfriend which was news to me but is the female reporter introduced from uh, the Adamantium Men series as far as I know the miniseries mm-hmm. that I read um, and they are kind of they're supposed to be kind of like like um there's like somebody wearing like a luchador wrestling mask that has like a chainsaw attached to his wrist and a woman in a dominatrix mask that has like you know uh mace morning glory things hanging off each ear and a woman who looks like she's got a power spear and a jason Voorhees mask and and a guy and a guy who looks like dc's vigilante except he's shooting some sort of knife gun all unbelievably charmingly ridiculous supervillains um but drawn by uh Guedes, they look they kind of look wrong like they don't look they don't look entertaining absurd they just look absurd absurd you know what i mean so and then there's a back a gorgeous looking backup story that's the last stand of the silver samurai with art by jason latour that looks fantastic and had absolutely no impact on me whatsoever i mean it really was i was like if that was supposed to be a complete story, it failed. If it's part of a, a to-be-continued part, I have no idea. Um, you know, I it, admittedly, maybe I skimmed through it too quickly, but it just does not, it's not clear what it's doing. It's not clear what it's doing. Like, literally, I turned the page, not sure if I was looking at the last page of a story or, or if it was going to be continued, and suddenly I'm looking at sketch pages by Renato Guedes, and I was like... Okay, well, that was a backup feature that did nothing for me other than, you know, massage my eyeballs in a meaningless way. So, um, so was, honestly, <laughs> the scary part... Tend, yes, I'm, I'm sorry, tend, yes? I was going to say, I'm kind of tend to say that in comics, is there really such a thing as massaging your eyeballs in a non... like, in a 
in a bad way. Aren't comics there to massage your eyeballs? Well, yes, they are. They absolutely, well, for the most part, they are. Um, so I can't, I can't totally say, ugh, I loathed it as much as I, I, as much as Punisher Happy Ending, for example. But given a choice, I honestly picked up Marvel Universe versus the Punisher on a whim, uh, and ended up enjoying it more than a, than than Wolverine number one. I yeah, which you actually had hopes for. Exactly. Um, I picked up Secret Avengers number four and thought that it didn't end as much as stopped. Like, it was kind of like, okay, the big superhero fight is over and the good guys win, time to go home. And I'm like, wait, but no, like, all of that just seems to, like, that's it? Like, it's not going anywhere? Like, I kind of expected it to build, and I assume that Brubaker will come back to all the little story pieces that he had. But honestly, it kind of felt like he got to writing this particular issue and went either he didn't get as far into it as he thought he was going to uh, by issue four, or he got to this point and went, you know what? I'm bored. Let's just, let's just skip to the Nick Fury subplot. That's going to be awesome. Let's just get this out of the way now. And, and I was kind of bummed to see that wrap the way that it did. Uh, King City 11, though, was gorgeous. You picked that up, right? Yes. And it, it's lovely. I mean, every issue of King City makes me very happy that it exists and very sad that there isn't going to be another one after issue 12. I know. I know. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that Graham's got, Brandon Graham's got his work ethic, but um, and so we'll be seeing something soon. But I just, I'm not... I always love King City and multiple warheads. I'm always like, meh, we'll see, we'll see where it goes. I love the page, though, where, um, where he throws the cat and it cuts all those people in half, including somebody's uh, word balloon. I love that yes. so much. That was just like, there were, because it really was surprising to me and it was done so well. Um, and finally, uh, I picked up King Cat comics and stories number 71 by John Porcelino uh, which was kind of a disquieting issue which is not something that I usually feel from King Cat. I don't know what's going on in John P's life. It definitely alludes at life transitions and not from the better. I mean it literally the comic starts off with a parable with Jesus where Jesus says the foxes have their holes and the birds have their nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. And the rest of the, the issue is John P. telling stories about being miserable and nearly broke and ending up in Florida, which to me is always, that, is, is never that, a good sign. Yeah, that does not sound good. Yeah, exactly. So normally King Cat is the comic that I, I love that brings me like, you know, like tiptoes me to the end to to the very uh right on the threshold of zen enlightenment and this is the first issue of king cat i've ever read where i'm just like jesus does john p have like a paypal account should i send him money and like maybe an email and letting him know that things are going to be okay because i'm actually worried about the guy which i i haven't had in previous issues so that's really kind of sad that's oh i i'm not a massive fan of king cat i've read enough that i know that i like it but I like it in small doses, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, but that 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 really upset. <laughs> That's like um, I'm trying to think what issue it was. I think it was the last issue of Or Else, the Kevin Zenga thing, mm-hmm. uh, the start of Wild Kingdoms that really made me ups- worried about him. Interesting. Interesting. And I I, I think 
I, I think I was overreacting, but I, I remember having that reaction. I remember also the infamous, I think it's dark number 11 or dark number 7. The, uh-huh. the, um, oh, yeah. Which is just, I mean, a masterpiece, but astonishingly depressing. Um, and really does just make you think, like, I want to give you a hug even though you punch me. Right, exactly. I And, you know, it kind of bummed me out that, because I thought that was a masterpiece, and I was always, like, what's the word? Like, if ever anyone made a case for saying, like, you know, it was Dorkin, like, saying, I'm never going to do this again. <laughs> and yes, here's and then, why. like, there's another issue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's kind of like, I wish he would attempt something like that again, but I actually... I'm sort of relieved that he didn't because I honestly believe that he was not in a, that doing it put him in a bad place. So, yes. Yeah. Um, but I, it's, I mean, it is, uh, it's just an astonishing comic. Yeah. Isn't it? Um, and the funny thing is I, I could go on for roughly several million years about why I think Dorkin does not get the respect that he deserves. But um, I think that that issue of Dork is, so much better at um, sharing an emotional experience and in particular a negative emotional experience mm-hmm. and, and uh, an outsider experience mm-hmm. than something like uh, Chris Ware or Craig mm-hmm. um, Thompson's work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you'll ever get the credit for it. No. Well, because I think he did it, he did it once and then he kind of walked away from it. And which, I Which is fine. Like that's good. Good for him. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But I also think that people will have a tendency it it makes well, it, it easier for people to overlook it, you know. Yeah. So, but I agree. I thought it was brilliant. It was actually, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, god, I wish I had the comic. We could like look, you know, we could both read it and come back and discuss it. Um because I think it, it what to me what was amazing about it was it was one of the first comics that I felt took that sort of traditional auto bio template and threatened to break it, that really threatened to put to give you the feeling of real consequences happening in it that frequently don't necessarily happen in that sort of crumb auto bio template. You know, you see so many comics particularly at the time that issue came out with like Joe Matt and stuff where like people sort of walk in with their hands in their pockets talking about their troubles. That's, you know, clearly from that sort of crumb derived auto bio strip and Dorkin pushes it and makes it funnier and makes it more neurotic and makes it a little scarier. Um, and, and much more clearly dangerously emotionally invested in it in a way that, that really I thought, threatened to break the template and then basically kind of you know didn't um and uh it, it's a it's a fascinating issue should we see what issue it is since we are actually talking about it this way we probably really should i keep thinking it's i want to say that it's dork number five but i i can't it's, think i, I think it's it. later than that i want to say it's seven or eight um yeah that maybe seven also sounds right to me so let's see dork and dork uh, issues it's seven. Ah, good for you. Um, yeah, seven was amazing. I I do love it. And don't get me wrong, I actually think that. Um, all I think Dark is, is I think Dark is a great series in general, but yeah, um, exactly. Issue seven is just something that. Yeah, issue seven is one of those everyone should read it comics. 
Agreed. Agreed. Hooray! We actually ended up talking about comics, and you said something positive about somebody, and uh, <laughs> just wasn't like Graham hey, shit talking everybody. I might be not bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, you haven't. I just said that for comical effect. Oh God. Oh God. <laughs> There's so many questions we haven't answered yet. I know. We're going to have to come back to it, I guess, next week and, and attack more. And I apologize for all the ones we didn't answer because Tim Callahan had some great ones. Uh, James Massent threw in another slew of them. Tater Pie had a follow-up question. Um, Wait, okay, throw us, are any of them quick answers? Can we do any of them quickly? Uh, I don't know. Let me see here. Um, uh, here's one. I think this is Tim Callahan's. Why is Howard Chicken's writing for others so much worse than when he writes for himself? Uh, generally because when he writes for himself he is writing something that is not company owned and he can indulge his own fetishes more freely I think I think I would tend to, to go with that I think I also think that um, yeah no, I'm going to go with that I don't I don't think I have an answer for that I was actually going to say oh let me weigh in I'm like what the fuck do I know because um, yeah, I know so much more Jay. no 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 but I mean like I really <laughs> am have you read American Flag? Yes. Then you ha- then you have more than me. Seriously, you've never read American Flag? I I've read a few issues. I never. I meant to get. I I meant to buy that whole collection when it came out, and then it took two years. And by that point, I was like, "Fuck it." By the time it okay, came out, was that graffiti split, or whatever? Or? Uh, it's um, dynamite. Graffiti. It was dynamite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They split the hardcover into two trade paperbacks. Get the first trade paperback. Feel free to ignore the second. Okay. A fine piece of advice. I'll, I should really read it, but like other stuff that people have been crazy about, I wasn't crazy about his black cock. You'd, you'd like it, you wouldn't love it. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. But you'd, it, uh, I think you'd have a similar reaction to me, which is you'd be like, oh, so that's where that thing I'm really familiar with first appeared. And it's very odd. It feels more contemporary, even though it's at this point 30 years old, than most. Um, adventure comics for want of a better way of saying it right. do now. and also it really it I, I read american flag and zot back to back last year mm-hmm. and it made me feel really depressed because i felt that no one is trying to do an independent comic that tries to involve the mainstream in the same way anymore mm. and i'd love to see someone try i think i honestly think the closest is mark miller of all people Really? Yeah. Interesting. Because he does indep- he does independent creator on comics within the same genre as the majority of the mainstream. Right. And even though I don't like Mark Miller's style, he takes his style and he basically takes it as far as he wants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see some other creators follow his lead in that. Interesting. And that might be one of the few times where I say I'd like to see creators follow Mark Miller's lead. Dude, uh, I'm like, black is white, up is down. What is with Bizarro Graham McMillan tonight? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sir. Well, it's clear that we could do this until we passed out, which in my case is going to be about 10 minutes from now. So I I think we should stop at this point. We'll have to come back, do more. I will issue apologies for everyone that we did not get to, and I will apologize to them when I record and introduce this but um oh jeff you're apologizing to them right now I know. <laughs> <laughs> how many apologies do you need to make 
Well, I don't know. I feel like some of these people, I'm like, you know, in particular, I'm like, sorry, James. Sorry, Tater Pie. Like, you know, some of these James, people, we jumped the line. James, and... mm-hmm. Tim, whoever, because I don't know who sent you questions because I can't see them. Um, we'll do them next time. We, we will. The, the questions will not cease to exist. We, we will, the Ned's podcast we do, listeners, is all questions all the time. That's oh it. Oh, my God. Cause we, no, because we could do Matt's. We could do an entire podcast for Matt. Right. And then we could do the other questions. That's well, the next we, one. We, the next we, episode is all questions. Okay. We won't solicit new ones. We will get all oh, of these questions. We'll solicit yeah. new ones as well. Oh, God, man. You're trying to kill me. <laughs> we might not get it. <laughs> Ah, you're like, this is genius. I won't ever have to read a comic book again. This will be brilliant. I can just read all things. Thing, I believe. So. <laughs> <laughs>